Hello, and welcome to the China Gaming Federation podcast. I'm Austin, and I'm joined here with Charlie in the U.S. What's up? How you doing? Hey, doing well. And、uh, today we're talking about some recent news. Of highlight is the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard in the past couple weeks, which is, I think, one of the biggest acquisitions in gaming, the game industry ever. It's、uh, by far the biggest acquisition in the game industry ever, by a factor of about five.、It's、ludicrous. Yeah, so it's about sixty-eight billion dollars,、um, which is about five times bigger than the next biggest. It's interesting because the next biggest actually is what happened this year as well. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't realize that. What is the next biggest one? It was just a month ago. It seems that no one really talked about it. At least we didn't talk about it in CGF. It was Take Two acquiring Zynga for twelve billion dollars. Wow. Okay. There's been a lot of acquisitions recently. Yep. We also had the、uh, was it Sony Sony acquiring Bungie for what in comparison to these other other ones just a measly three point six billion. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and you wonder really what did they buy there? You know, because Bungie doesn't make Halo anymore. A lot of the things which Bungie was famous for, they kind of no longer do. Right. Right. In fact, what does Bungie do? You know, like they haven't really done much the last I don't know decade. Uh, well, I mean, do you want to get into that a little bit? Uh, I mean, Bungie's primarily doing Destiny now, and I think that that's a huge part of the reasoning for the acquisition by Sony, as well as you know the reasoning behind Bungie agreeing to the acquisition. But、uh, Destiny Two, I believe the ownership was not transferred in the purchase of Bungie. Correct. I may be mistaken, but that's my understanding. So it's it, it it will remain an Xbox and Windows game, regardless of this acquisition. They retain ownership of their IPs in the acquisition,、mm-hmm. and、um, you know I think that Bungie viewed this acquisition as you know Sony being a having access to Sony Pictures and other. They look at it as a means to grow their IP, possibly into. You know, film or other mediums. You know, so beyond just being a game. Yeah, so they can make another terrible、uh, movie adaptation from a、mm, video game. Yeah, we don't have enough of those. No, you know, there's not enough bad、uh, movies based on video games. Got to spend billions more. Oh, for sure, dude. Give me another Assassin's Creed. Exactly. Yeah, give me another Doom. Let's get another Doom game with The Rock. Uh, let's get、um, f- at least five more Uncharted games with Mark Wahlberg. At least with the, the Doom movie, we got that dope first-person sequence. You know, I mean, let's get a Max Payne two, also with、uh, Mark Wahlberg, please. I feel like the Max Payne movie was a terrible travesty because I think that you know it could have been a really good movie. It was. It took inspiration from like John Woo. And and you know film noir and all these things that could have transitioned beautifully, just a direct adaptation of the story from the game, and they it could have transitioned beautifully to, you know, the big screen. But no, no. Isn't it funny how they always shoehorn Mark Wahlberg into all these roles, even now? You know, they have him play what's his name, Sully, I think, is the character. Yeah, in Uncharted, Sully, Sully, yeah, yeah. So Sully's like a Sully's like a a fifty year old. Professorial, mustached, square-jawed guy, and then they just put Mark Wahlberg with like a wispy Latino mustache, and they're like, "This is Sully." 
<laughs> what are anyway? Uh, this is what happens with um, movie adaptations of video games. Right. So I do not have uh, much hope in Sony doing anything interesting with sure. uh, the acquisition of Bungie. That's kind of a puzzling one. It feels like they just want to re- get a headline. Like, okay, Sony is doing things also. Well, I think I know why Sony did it. So Sony still actually has like maybe another. Oh, maybe like twelve billion or something left for acquisitions over the next year or so. So they're probably going to make some other ones. But the big one with Bungie is over the next four years they have plans to expand into like uh, more kind of online only games, and they view Bungie as talented at that. I guess with uh, their, you know, the direction they've taken Destiny and and they're kind of turning Bungie, uh, turning Destiny 2 around and really turning into a successful online game because it was met with a lot of criticism. It's definitely very profitable. It took them 10 years to turn that thing around. Sure, sure. Destiny was pretty much a failure, like right out of the gate. Well, I think Sony's looking at it. And, uh, and here we are a decade later. Right. I think Sony's looking at it is skipping those 10 years of learning you know, of having their already in-house studios learning how to do that and just putting Bungie on those projects and using the, you know, the lessons they've already learned Hmm. and applying that to these games that they're planning on putting out over the next four to five years. So I think that was the main reasoning. Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of consolidation happening inside the game industry, and there's a lot of consolidation happening inside the economy. Sure. This is a sign of a bad economy, by the way. All of these hundreds of companies getting snapped up by these mega corporations like Sony and Microsoft. Uh, but let's let's uh, back up a little bit and talk just about this Microsoft acquisition before we go too far down this road of what Sony's doing and what you know movies and so on. Right. Uh, for those who are not familiar, and I'm guessing most people who are listening to this podcast probably are aware of this news, but they may not know some of the details. Microsoft is just beginning the uh, acquisition of um, Activision Blizzard which is a publicly traded company, which is a massive company that owns many, many studios. Interesting because Activision Blizzard got consolidated, rolled up into one uh, many years ago, and I don't think it's worked out very well for either of them. Uh, Maybe in terms of economic sense it has, but both Activision and Blizzard have suffered, I would say, some reputational damage inside the game industry over the last decade. Sure. Although they both have some hit games within them, Activision, that would be Call of Duty, and within Blizzard, that would probably be Overwatch. Um, We have talked about so many Activision games on this podcast, um, and Microsoft now owns the intellectual property to all of those. Just to give a list, uh, Call of Duty is the biggest, of course, uh, but then there's Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, Doom, Quake, Overwatch, the Tony Hawk series, which we loved and talked about. It's my favorite game of last year. And uh, Crash Bandicoot, which is interesting because that used to be a previous Sony exclusive, kind of iconic uh, PlayStation franchise, now owned by Microsoft. Yeah. And so there's a ton of games involved here. Also, this comes uh, less than one year after the Microsoft acquisition of um, another big company, which was ZeniMax, uh, which includes Bethesda, which everybody is familiar with. And so just less than a year ago, it was in March of 2021. We were talking about a very similar subject, which was this gargantuan acquisition of a major publisher, which makes a ton of interesting games, a ton of games that we like too. Um, games like 
uh, Doom, Wolfenstein, uh, the Fallout series, Skyrim, the Elden Scrolls series, all of those are Microsoft's intellectual property now. So Microsoft probably has, uh, you know, as much of an intellectual property portfolio as any game publisher. I would say up there with Sony and with um, Nintendo. Actually, this acquisition will make, when it's completed, which will take 12 to 18 months, will make Microsoft the third largest game company in the world by revenue. Right. Behind only Sony and Tencent. Yeah, they're surpassing Nintendo with this. Yeah. And and I think that it's potential, you know, in the next two to three years to possibly put them as the number two player. You think so? Over who? Over Tencent. I think that they could possibly surpass Tencent. Uh, with the and you think Sony will remain in the number one position? I think uh, I mean it's possible. I it, I think it it look with trends. It's been looking like I've been feeling like Sony's kind of been going down. Yeah, but if you look at the financial side of things, it's still crushing it. You know, right? Um, but just general feelings. You know, it's definitely possible that the financial side of things could take a hit and Sony could fall down a little bit. I don't see Tencent. Yeah. Can you believe that we're almost a year and a half into the PlayStation 5 era? That That's because it does not feel like that. It does not. The PS5 still feels like, you know, brand new. It feels like recent news. Yeah. I think there is there is maybe one or two exceptions to the general rule that. PlayStation 5 is unexceptional after almost a year and a half into this. I think it launched in November of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. But I think... Um, so it's been out for quite a while. It's it, This is a slow ramp up, I would say. Sure. And kind of similar situation for Xbox Series S and Series X, although those are reliant on Game Pass. So those have transitioned into a subscription service. Right. Microsoft using quite a different business strategy entirely here which will be interesting to see how that pans out it looks like now we are exiting the era of the console wars and entering the era of the subscription wars right where it will matter less uh which console you're using because most of the most popular games are multi-platform sure but it will matter which subscription service you're signed up on well game pass you know microsoft can continue to run game pass at a loss while generating revenue in other areas of its business and i think that that's gonna really put the pressure on with sony and game pass just hit a new milestone of over 25 million subscribers and they're gonna be launching the activision blizzard games into game pass which i think will be a huge boost to game pass i mean a lot of those games you know like uh Call of Duty and stuff are are games that, you know, people buy consoles for. You know, casual players just play every year. Play call the new Call of Duty and stuff, yeah. That's true, although, you know, it does it does feel like a lot of those tentpole franchises within the Activision Blizzard uh camp are are becoming destabilized or becoming weakened. Sure. You can certainly see this with Call of Duty. Yeah. It seems like Call of Duty the the popularity is eroding. And uh, the most the most uh, recent entry, which I believe is called Vanguard, has been critically panned, um, similar to most uh, at recent Activision releases as well. A lot of the triple uh, A high profile sort of uh, you know alleged blockbuster releases of the last uh, six or seven months have uh, kind of fared poorly, I would say. Yeah, 
there's an interesting phenomenon going on here with the highly corporate publishers and developers, uh, much to include Ubisoft as well. Ubisoft as well really feels like they're on a skid too. Um, their biggest projects, um, you know, new watchdogs, games, and so on, are scoring in the low 70s. That is pretty low for uh, such big budget, high profile games right. from one of the biggest publishers in the world. Feels like we're experiencing, I, I mean, my personal feeling, I haven't heard a lot of people say this, but it feels like there's some sort of shift underway in the game industry where um, things are becoming more consolidated, more corporate, more controlled by the boardroom. Right. Uh, but simultaneous to that development is that independent games are getting even bigger and more numerous and higher profile and, and better budgets, better presentation. And I think we can see some interesting examples of this. In our just recent podcast, we talked about Inscription. I think Inscription is a great example of like an indie game, which in terms of buzz and discussion, I think has really surpassed, I mean, anything on PlayStation 5 or anything within like the AAA space within the last six months. Um, Devolver Digital is just growing um, at such a pace and just um, doing so many remarkable things. I feel like we're, we could be at some sort of, you know, tipping point where um, independent games are, you know, getting just as big as games which cost uh, 80, 100 million dollars to make. Well, I wanted to mention Devolver Digital, actually. And yeah, I mean, I look at basically since we started CGF, you know, we've always been big supporters of indie games and we've seen a boom of indie games in, you know, the last decade or so. Really, games, indie games with small teams of one you know, to a dozen people or something working on these games, making millions or sometimes in rare cases, billions of dollars, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, then you have these games just with this gradual decline in the AAA industry. Now, I do think that predominantly Nintendo's games have maintained a certain level of quality for the most part that has been fairly consistent throughout Nintendo's you know, several decade long, you know, place in the industry. And Sony also has been consistently putting out quality, even if in recent years it's been much fewer games as we're talking about the PS5 and everything. But, uh, you know, we are seeing players like Ubisoft, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard and all of these other players that aren't putting out the same level of quality. And I do think Ubisoft has, in a lot of ways, been kind of looked down upon, but did have a couple of years where it thought it seemed like that trend was turning around, you know, with their Assassin's Creed games, you know, taking, you know, dropping the annual release cycle. But uh, then they started pumping out Assassin's Creed's kind of following in the formula since they started doing that. So it's a resurgence of the same trend that put them exactly where they were. And I think Ubisoft used to be a symbol of quality. You know, I mean, a lot of games like Rayman. Rayman 2 is a, a great 3D platformer back when 3 Yeah, I mean, if we if we go back like 25 years, sure. Yeah, you know, but yeah. Ubisoft has just not made good games in a very long time. Right, right. So, uh, I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens to these franchises, you know, especially since Activision in particular has been very, I mean, 
Blizzard as well, actually. You could you could lump both of these uh, publishers into one umbrella by saying that they have been very negligent of all of their you know beloved IP right. going back decades. You know, let's say like Lost Vikings, just like a small example. This is a game which was uh, published and developed by Blizzard itself in the 1990s. It came out on consoles. It came out on PC. Right, beloved game, and uh, you know they've done nothing with it for probably 30 years. Right. Um, why is that? I think that's because Activision Blizzard, under the leadership it's been under, and the the maligned CEO of Activision Blizzard is Bobby Kotick, right. who's been in the news a lot the last two years due to uh, sexual abuse and harassment allegations, many of which were exacerbated by Microsoft itself. Right. It was interesting to see in the last uh, 18 months or so how... There's been so much media criticism and scrutiny on Activision Blizzard and its leadership and how bad it is and how bad the culture inside the company is and conditions for workers are very poor and negative and people complain about that. As all that's been going on, Microsoft has actively been saying, well, you know, we'll have to look at our relationship with Activision, you know, putting pressure onto them and sort of indirectly casting condemnation onto their management practices, which was interesting to observe. And then when the acquisition is declared, which was just about uh, 10 days ago, I think, then uh, suddenly it all makes sense. Oh, yes, that's why Microsoft contributed to all the condemnation of uh, Activision Blizzard. It was a negotiating tactic to lower the selling price, which uh, Microsoft, I think, uh, did very effectively. I mean, they really staged sort of a boardroom coup. They inserted their own people inside Activision Blizzard. And apparently this is like a, a, you know, two plus year long operation to acquire the company, which has uh, met with this result. Now, uh, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, is still in his spot and he'll remain there managing the company as this business transaction goes through the process, which will take 12 to 18 months. And then after that, it'll be interesting to see what happens to all these games, you know, Call of Duty, Warcraft, Starcraft. Will we get a new StarCraft game? You know, um, will Diablo 4 not suck? Um, <laughs> can Call of Duty uh, make a a sequel which is, uh, you know, as good as Call of Duty 4 or, you know, the the golden era of Call of Duty? Will that ever return? Um, will good new Tony Hawk games come out since the last remake was so good? I know that some of those are in production now. And then... I think what's really interesting is that um, Activision Blizzard is going to go under the command of Phil Spencer at Microsoft, who's a very well-loved executive. I'm not sure if you're very familiar with Phil Spencer, but he has a really good reputation as you know a genuine gamer who sort of understands what ordinary Xbox players want, right. uh, which is a big difference from someone like Bobby Kotick, who's like an executive who probably has little or no interest in games himself. Uh, but what is really encouraging is that Phil Spencer has actually mentioned in press releases about this, and I think in interviews as well, that he has a personal interest in reviving some of the games of Activision Blizzard's past that he himself enjoyed uh, growing up. And he specifically mentioned King's Quest, Guitar Hero, and uh, Hexen and Heretic. Oh, Hexen and Heretic would be cool. That is a, that's a good shortcut to get um, the game. The, the true gaming community on your side. Yeah. You know, if you say King's Quest and Guitar Hero and Hexen, people are really going to like that. I mean, that could be a ploy. If that's a ploy, that's a very, very clever one. Yeah. So you got to give him props for that either way. Sure. True that. 
So uh, we'll see. I mean, how exciting would that be? You know, now that we've had so many franchises neglected by Activision Blizzard, now if they were to bring back some of these old franchises from the from the eighties, from the nineties, when was the last time there was a King's Quest game? And that has been like my Over whole life. Twenty years, almost. yeah, yeah. So that would be very exciting. Let's see if that happens. I think that might be the most exciting prospect about this transaction is that there is such uh, such a chest of intellectual property here that Microsoft could do really interesting things with it, which Activision probably would have never considered because Activision is well aware that there's not a billion dollar game in King's Quest. Right, uh, but I think that uh, you know Microsoft views this as more, you know. I mean, like I said before, they can run Game Pass or do basically run the entire game industry side of Microsoft at a deficit for years and still be, you know, doing fine. Uh, So I think that... Yeah, they did that. They've done that. I mean, when they started the Xbox, it ran at a loss and it's run at a loss for... It ran at a loss for a long time. I don't believe it is anymore, but of course, sure. Microsoft is always investing money into losses. So is Google, so is Amazon. Right. All of these major Silicon Valley tech companies are doing the same thing, investing in many different uh, you know, directions at once, and most of those things are not working sure. out. In fact, we're observing that right now. I'm not sure if you've noticed with Google Stadia. It looks like they're in the final stages of that, about to shut that down. And that has been billions yeah. lost. Yeah. But my point, I think, is that uh, you know, Activision Blizzard may have just not given it given a single care about these older IPs, whereas Microsoft may view it as okay, well that may not make us a, it may not be a billion dollar idea, but it might get us good, you know, give us a better per percep you know, uh give people a better perception of us in the community. And so they might look at, you know, reviving some of these old IPs as a good strategic move on their part to win people over to the Microsoft side of things. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, even right? if it's sure. not a big yeah. financial win short term. Yeah. 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 So that could be cool. Right. That could be real cool. Uh, I do think that a lot of people are worried that, you know, Microsoft, you know, putting all of these games and growing game pass that it could cripple other players in the gaming industry though and potentially have a long-term detrimental effect on the industry and while this is technically not making this acquisition is not making microsoft have a monopoly over the industry and sony is more than doubling their uh their revenue in what you know tencent or nintendo or you know, Microsoft were doing last year in second, third, and fourth place or whatever. But uh, I still think that as it grows, there is the possibility that it could, you know, have some potential negative effects on the way things are going. And also, me personally, you know, it makes me, after having spent a couple, couple decades, I guess, invested in the Steam ecosystem, it makes me worried what's going to happen to something like Steam or GOG, you know, after another five or ten years, you know, it's like I spent years building up my libraries in these other places, and if we go over to subscription-based model in the future, and, like, what happens to my libraries, you know, that I invested a fair amount of money in, 
and I still would like to invest time in. Probably nothing, right? I mean, what 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 is your concern exactly? Uh, I mean, like long term, you know, maybe 10, 10, 15, 20 years. What if like Steam is just like, all right, we're going subscription based or, you know, we're shutting up, shutting up shop, closing, you know, Steam. It's time to close. And then I lose those things. I doubt. Yeah, I doubt. That's not that's gonna not happen. gonna happen. Come on now, that's not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I mean, long term, it makes me think about those kind of things, you know. So I mean, Valve is still do- making major moves. You know, Valve is still like printing money. I mean, they're making billions of dollars, share, uh, share a quarter. You know, they're making insane money. In fact, Valve is just releasing um, information on the Steam Deck now. I just saw yesterday a Linus Tech Tools video on YouTube. Where he's just showing off the Steam, Steam deck. deck looks really cool. So too. A Valve is, you know, doing all sorts of things. Sure. Yeah, they're probably making uh, Half Life Three right now. You know, Steam's not going anywhere. Also, I I think you know it's important to point out with like as large as some of these companies like Microsoft or Sony are, Valve is a relatively small company, not financially, but in terms of you know the people working there. So I mean, they are incredibly profitable for the number of people that are actually working at valve so i mean yeah yeah controlling a popular platform is very lucrative yeah well you know whether you're apple or google or steam um steam i mean valve doesn't need to spend a lot of time developing games i mean they can just make money just running steam the platform uh, perfectly profitable business right there um you know valve's made it clear there's no need for them to trouble themselves with developing left for dead 3 or uh Half-Life 3. I mean, they didn't need to do those things, you know, which they didn't do for 15, 20 years. When was the last time Left 4 Dead 2 came out? Probably around 2007, something yeah, like that. Yeah, six or seven. In any case, uh, you know, but it does feel like Valve is turning into sort of a new chapter, and it has made that turn a couple of years ago when they released um, their VR headset, and they they made the, uh, the VR Lab yeah. project, which was fantastic, a great demo for the virtual reality environment uh, made by Valve. And it seems like uh, the Half-Life Alex game was yeah. extraordinarily well-received, considered by many to be the game of the year. So it seems like Valve is in a pretty good place now compared to even just two, three years ago when I'm not sure if we were talking about that on this podcast, but we were definitely observing amongst each other that Valve is kind of dead in terms of developing its own intellectual property, which is remarkable only because Valve is considered one of the greatest game developers of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think that the even the Steam platform itself, we observed the platform itself kind of stagnating a little bit with less. I mean, we hadn't, we saw many years go by without any new major changes to even the Steam platform. And in the last few years, we've seen big picture, you know, really developed a lot more. The integration of support for... with. I mean, even if the Steam controller was a flop, you know, it we did see with the Steam controller the integration of support for third-party controllers. Nintendo, it, it recognizes Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox, as well as, you know, just random third-party controllers. And inside Big Picture lets you basically play any game, even mouse and keyboard games, and have it set up to play them. And that's really cool. We've seen major changes to the Steam store, the community features and everything. So, like, Steam continues to change and grow and develop and, you know, exponentially so in the last couple of years. And now we're seeing the Steam Deck, which I think 
really exciting. I mean, I am interested in potentially getting a Steam Deck, but uh, I don't know if I will. I'll I'll wait and see. But it it looks cool, man. It looks really cool. Yeah. Well, let's see what effect um, this acquisition has on Game Pass because it seems like. This could maybe have as much of an effect or more of an effect on the PC game market as it does on the console game market. Obviously, people primarily think of Xbox as, you know, the Xbox division of Microsoft is primarily console-based, but they're doing a lot of things in Windows as well. Uh, My first thought is, you know, now for people, let's say you are someone just bought their first gaming PC in 2022 and they don't have any Steam account or library at all. The move now, I think, without question, is to get on Game, Game Pass. Pass. Yeah, exactly. Because sure. you pay such a small amount of money and you get access to such a large library of games. And, you know, Steam already has, uh, I don't know, know how many millions of accounts, but it already is like the established uh, location of people's gaming libraries for PC games. Uh, can Game Pass change that? Certainly not overnight. Uh, it would be interesting to see if people sort of divest in steam by becoming game pass subscribers spending more time on game pass spending time in that community uh playing with console gamers there's a lot of interoperability between uh windows games and xbox games and a lot of like cross-platform functionality there which is not really present on steam so much sure um looking down a year or two down the line perhaps you know game pass becomes you know a more lucrative option a more interesting option for players who are interested in pc games than steam and that could um potentially uh, bode poorly for steam i guess we'll see although you know what i kind of feel like compare the number of games on steam which is thousands of games. Right. of course most of the games are not very good right but some of the i mean you, you do have gems within the steam uh, library and those get found and those are the ones that get discussed on reddit and on twitter and in social mm-hmm. media and are more of those are more of these hit games let's say of next year 23 going to come from this massive you know uh mountain which is being mined which on steam or is it going to come from this much smaller number of sort of corporate big publisher controlled intellectual property like uh, Diablo or Doom or Quake are there going to be really good groundbreaking Doom or Quake or Overwatch games coming or you know have they already sort of made their biggest cultural contributions yeah i'd like to point out that there are quite a few really cool smaller indie games on game pass as well you know so you get like a wide selection of games from like smaller indie games to larger games you know and then what you're not getting i mean personally if i was you know new in the you know just brand new PC. I've never played games before. I would look at Game Pass as the go-to, and then I would probably look at something as a secondary alternative to that, as something like GOG, probably, because you're going to have a lot of older games that are not going to be on... You know, let's say you want to play the classic AVP, you know, at 2000 or whenever that was, uh, or you want to play Unreal or some old classic FPS game, right? That's going to be on GOG, and it's not going to be on Game Pass. So you go on GOG, and then you get all your mainstream stuff and brand new indie games on Game Pass, and anything that's missing from there, you'd get it on on GOG, probably. 
you know, more than likely. Mm-hmm. As we begin to wrap this conversation up, do you have any predictions on uh, what the effect of this might be, either on the console market or on the PC games market? Are you interested in signing up for Game Pass now? I'm honestly not that interested in signing up for Game Pass for the main reason that I have too many games to play as it is on my Switch, PS4, and uh, on my Steam and GOG you know, libraries. I have too many games to play, and getting on Game Pass is just going to make it harder to get through stuff that I've already purchased with the intent to play, you know? But I think it is good for a lot of people that don't aren't in the same position as me with an incredibly large library. And I do think that it's going to put the pressure on Sony, so I think we're going to see a lot of exciting things coming out from Sony, because Sony's got the pressure on now. Um, you know, yeah, they certainly do. I feel the same way about Xbox Game Pass. I'm kind of glad that you answered in that way because it makes it very simple for me. Pretty much feel the exact same way. Uh, my current predicament is not enough time, too many games. You know, adding more games to this for a cost doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, um, there's nothing on Game Pass that like I must play now. You know, there's really nothing like that at all on Game Pass, despite it being an impressive library, objectively speaking and a tremendous value so that's great but uh yeah it doesn't interest me that much personally obviously i don't have an xbox you don't either i did have an xbox 360 and an original xbox but i don't see myself getting an xbox anytime soon i don't see myself getting a playstation 5 anytime soon right i'm quite happy with switch in particular you know the switch is uh four years old now um i think it came out in march of 2017 so it'll be exactly four years i think next month but uh, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm pretty happy with Switch. Um, I almost never play PlayStation 4. And um, I play games on my uh, laptop, you know, pretty frequently, a couple times a week, I'd say. And um, I feel pretty well covered, man. So Xbox Game Pass doesn't affect me personally too much at all. Sure. And I think in the PC realm of things, we're not going to see it drastically alter the PC gaming landscape in the next few years or anything. You know? Yeah. Valve is, as he said, still a major player. Uh, GOG is still doing... You know, there's still plenty of players that are established in the PC side of things that are not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So I don't think we're going to see any major changes to the PC side of things. But I do think in the next five years or so, we'll see a trend go further and further towards subscription-based gaming. And I think that on the PC side of things, we won't see the same trend, you know, at least in the near future. You mean going to subscription-based? Yeah, I don't think it's going to transition to the PC marketplace as readily as it is in the console marketplace. Also, console marketplace, you know, you see people changing consoles every few years, right? And you see new adopters to consoles all the time. So it's much easier for, you know, someone, let's say last gen, you know, I was PlayStation and this gen, you know, I was like, screw it. I'm going Xbox and going Game Pass or whatever, you know, people do that sometimes. I think that it's an easier, you know, medium for people to go transition to subscription based because you're switching platforms every few years. Not everyone is like, you know, you or me where we... We've owned predominantly every iteration of consoles, you know, so. Well, I mean, sort of, you know, I haven't, the last time I owned like every, I had Sega, Genesis and Super Nintendo in the 90s, you know, but 
now I haven't had an Xbox in probably 10 years, something like that. And, you know, one interesting value proposition in particular, aside from Xbox Game Pass being like a tremendous value on its own, I think the Xbox Series S, which is a $300 sort of lesser console than the Xbox Series X, right. is a tremendous value. And actually, there's a deal here in the States, um, certain it's not available in China, uh, but it is that you can get an Xbox Series S and I think a, a subscription to Xbox Game Pass for something like $30 a month. And there's basically like a two-year window, which you use to pay off uh, the $300 you know, dollar console plus uh, whatever Xbox Game Pass is at uh, 0% interest. Mm. So they, they do give you an option to just pay like $30 a month and you get an Xbox Series S and Game Pass. So you're pretty much like good to go just with that. Yeah. And um, the Xbox Series S, one thing that distinguishes that, at least here in the United States, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's pretty much available. So you can drive to like Best Buy or Walmart or something like that and pretty much just buy that like today as opposed to the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, which I believe are still sought over and sold by scalpers. And, you know, people follow like Twitter accounts to get notification on, on when retailers get it in stock. It's still a hassle to get Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5. And considering the sort of paltry um, exclusive offerings on the PlayStation 5, it uh, doesn't really seem worth the effort to me. Although, you know, millions of people have waited in line for PlayStation 5 and embarked on online journeys <laughs> to locate them in stock. So people are doing that. But uh, the Xbox Series S with Game, Bo- with Game Pass in particular looks like uh, a phenomenal entry point into the Xbox ecosystem right now. Sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. This is an interesting development. I don't think we'll be talking about an acquisition of this magnitude um, anytime soon, you know, $70 billion is pretty big, but, uh, we'll see what happens. This certainly has given us something interesting to talk about. There's been a lot of discussion about this in the CGF chat group, and that's been cool to read. And, uh, we'll see what happens as 2022 continues to develop. Hopefully we get some of these old Activision franchises. Let's get a new Hexen, you know, let's get a new King's Quest. Let's get, uh, some old franchise revived. That would be fun. Sure. Sure. That would be great. Uh, have you been playing anything real quick? What have you been playing recently? Um, I've been playing The Long Dark, and that's about it. I've been enjoying The Long Dark, um, dying in new interesting ways. Uh, We've talked about this game on the last couple podcasts, I think. This has turned into one of my favorite uh, games of the last couple years, and uh, that's the only thing I've been playing recently. Nice, nice. Uh, I just finished uh, the the DLC for the first State of Decay, Lifeline, the military DLC. And went through and... Is that like a zombie game? What is State of Decay? Oh, it's like one of the coolest zombie games I've ever played. Uh, It's kind of like a survival zombie open world game. And it's really cool. It's got some issues. It's a small indie team that Microsoft actually picked up years ago. And was released as one... Back in the day with the like summer of arcade or whatever those indie games that they would put out and stuff yeah and they put out state of decay it got a remaster and then uh state of decay 2 came out and i plan on going on to that since all the bugs and stuff have kind of been patched out of that it's not a perfect game but if you're into zombies it's absolutely stellar and state of decay 3 was announced not too long ago with a an announcement trailer and that looks like, it might be kind of pretty cool, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I also, in sticking with the zombie stuff, just did a run, uh, a su- my first successful run 
of Dead Estate, which I think actually was originally a Flash game on Newgrounds back in the day, but I'm playing on Steam now. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. Dead Estate, did you say? Yeah, Dead Estate. Oh, what are you managing, like a graveyard or something? What is that? No, it's actually kind of like a Binding of Isaac or something, and you're okay. just going through it like this Resident Evil mansion in this like isometric perspective, upgrading your character and stuff, trying to get through a successful run. Neat. Cool. And it's pretty fun. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can check out more episodes of our podcast on our website at chinagaming.org, or you can find us on whatever podcast app you use. Catch you next time. Over and out.